to, uh, to raise them up so that they know where they're safe. Whether they see you here or there or anywhere, they need to know that. So that means they, they got to know who you are. So make it a point to just uh, interact with the kiddos, right? It's, a, it's such a blessing. And these guys are our future, so one day when I need my diaper changed, one of these guys might do it. And I hope we raised them up right. You're shaking your head no. <laughs> she is not the nurse. <laughs> I want to be there for that day. <laughs> but there's a lot of great things coming up before that. So I just want to pray a blessing over these guys as they head on downstairs. And again, my hope and my prayer is that one day these guys are going to come upstairs and they're going to lay hands on you guys and you're going to see healing. You're going to hear, you're going to hear words of prophecy from our kids. You're going to hear all the stuff that the Bible says they can do. They can do. We stop them. Just like we stop ourselves from walking in it all, right? So we're going we're gonna to pray. So Father God, we love you. We love all these kiddos, Lord God. We pray your blessing over each one, Lord God, that you would touch them with your love, touch them with your spirit, and guide them, Father God. You would help them to learn and do amazing and incredible things, Father God. We pray that you would bless their leaders, that, Lord God, they, uh, they just have such a love for these kids. Let them just have a most excellent time in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Y'all guys get to go to Groovy Sunday School for a most excellent adventure. I think we're still on Jesus Quest. All right. We're on Jesus Quest. We're on Jesus Quest. Woohoo! I agree with Jazzy. No shoes. Oh, I had him off earlier, but I know. So, um, how are you guys doing? Good. Y'all loving that snow this week? That was just awesome. Don't we get more tonight? I thought we were supposed to get like more than we got Thursday, tonight. You, you, so you want it and then them saying no hurts you. No? Are you not a, are you not a snow fan? I love, I love snow and I love winter. Getting out there and it's nice and crisp and in the air and it's just beautiful to me. I don't do real well in the extreme heat and the humidity. Like there's only so many things that are appropriate to dress in the, in the summer. Like winter, you can put whatever you want on. Nobody's going to say much, right? But in the summer, you have the opposite, and they'll say a lot. And so I just, uh, that's kind of how I am, a sweaty, hot mess. But, um, yeah. But I, I firmly believe that my entire life would be an incredible mess without the Lord. Amen. Um, that uh, God is bigger than any season. God is bigger than any snowfall that we have. Um, and it's kind of neat. We've been here since Christmas. And yesterday we were blessed with one of the neighbors came over with his snowblower and blew us out. And I think it's because he watched what we did 
and how we blessed our neighborhood and we ran through the neighborhood with our snowblower and blew probably 20 properties out. You know, it's not with a big torn flag, it's not with a big anything flag saying anything, it's just loving your neighbors. And that's super, super important that God says to love God and love your neighbor. And to see that reciprocated, really, that just really blessed my heart to see. Like, you know, we, we have the ability to change culture. And I'm not saying that we change this person's heart. I'm just saying that maybe something out of one act of kindness drew another out. Yeah, is that possible? Like to think about what does that look like as we move forward and we start, we start reaching out to our neighbors around here and we just start loving them. We start doing uh, Friday night brat fries or so. There's one guy in this congregation that absolutely loves to fry brats. Like that's his, that's like his jam. If you want to know, if you want to know what he loves to do, it's brats. It's always brats, 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 brats. He does other things, but he loves brats. Like he's, he might be a brataholic. But uh, so when we start loving up on our community and just offering brats, we're going to put a movie uh, camera up there or a projector and a screen up there. The screen's hanging and laying in the corner. And then we'll flip the chairs around on Friday nights or whatever we choose. We'll have movie night in here. We've got a big old popcorn machine downstairs. We'll make popcorn and brats. And we'll just start celebrating life with our neighbors, with anybody who wants to stop in, have a brat, whatever, we're going to do the king's table. Um, James says faith without works is dead. And I tend to believe him, that if your heart is not spurred to or driven to do something more than just serve yourself, you may be in a very dangerous place. Um, and we're talking about salvationally. But you and God are the only two that know it, right? But, you know, we're not, we're not here to squash. We're not here to judge. We're here to love and to walk with and to help people out to, uh, as part of the leadership here, I think that the church is also kind of driven to help others to see their gifting and their calling. Like, well, I don't really know. It's like, that's okay if you don't know what your call is. Come on, let's just serve. We'll see where you fit. We'll see what you what you're just drawn to, what you excel at, and we'll pour into that, yeah? Amen? Amen. Um, so it's really super exciting. I'm, I'm excited for what the future holds for, for Jesus Christ in this community. Um, and by community, I'm talking about surrounding blocks, I'm talking about the entire town of Portage and the surrounding areas, wherever you come from, whether it be Wyocena, Portage, Partyville, whatever, I don't care. Um, but hopefully the love of Christ will fill you, as it said in that song, I know you'll fill me. Holy Spirit, I know you'll fill me. So allow him to fill you. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention, we have a, a map for Easter weekend and what that's going to look like and then what's going to happen after that. So Friday night is going to be a, 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 a regular Good Friday service or what we might call regular Good Friday service. I don't have the time yet, but I would imagine around six-ish or something like that. Tends to not be a super long service, but in that, and I want you to start praying now and start asking God what he wants you to fast, because I'm going to call the church to a time of fasting from Friday night until Sunday morning. So Saturday night service is going to happen, 
but it's going to look different. So instead of eating at 5 o'clock, we're going to come up here and we're going to start praying. Just like we do on Wednesday nights in the war room. And we're going to start praying for this city or whatever God is moving on your heart for a move of the Spirit to move in you and through you. Um, and then after that prayer time, when we normally come up at 545, we're going to start a worship service. And we're going to worship God for like an hour or whatever. You know how good that feels? Like you just get into that heart of worship. And then all of a sudden the four songs are done and you quit. Yeah. You're like, man, I could do that for an hour. Guess what? Yeah. You get to do that on, on Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. Easter Sunday, we're going we're gonna to get here at the normal time. We're going to do uh, Easter service, and then we're going to break the fast with a light brunch. Um, and then, because I know that everybody, most everybody goes somewhere for Easter, and then you're going to pig out like we all do. Um, it's one of those days, a lot like Thanksgiving, but spelled differently right so we eat too much and then we lay around the rest of the day so we're not going to try and interrupt on that but we're just trying to make easter an actual weekend of remembrance of what christ did on that cross i think that we oftentimes forget about what he did we forget about the beauty of what Jesus did on that weekend. Amen? Amen. So we're gonna we're gonna do our best to remember that and bring that up and, and just really try and try and do it. And then that's gonna be followed up with Saturday nights are gonna be two months of intentional discipleship training. So what happens after you come to know Jesus Christ? Well now what? Now what do I do? I will just walk through that. I'm collecting ideas from other pastors and other spiritual <laughs> leaders throughout the country that I know, and I'm just gonna compile eight, eight of these that everybody sees as very important to them. And we'll be discussing that on Saturdays. Sundays are gonna be an awesome day as well. I don't, just don't know what it's gonna look like yet. So um, let me pray and we'll get started. So Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Father God, that you are here. We know that you are moving. and We know that your Holy Spirit is going to fill us, Lord God that you're gonna fill us to greater measures than we ever thought possible. And you're going to create something incredible out of each and every one of us, Lord God. You made us for a purpose. So Father God, today as we figure out belief systems, as we talk about some things, we ask for your presence here in this place, that you would be glorified, you would be praised here, and that you'd help us to understand what that means and looks like. To you be the glory, Lord, amen. amen. It all falls when we fail to recognize the truth. So our major texts are going to be through Ephesians 3, 1 through 16. Um, but it all fails. Well, what do you mean it all fails or it all falls? How many of you guys have spent a lot of your life feeling like one little thing goes sideways and it all topples over? You're almost playing with the house of cards like, one paycheck to the next paycheck, one argument away from divorce, um, one argument away from whatever, um, one more screw up at work, or if I don't perform correctly, then I just, and so you're living with this constant buzz in your head that you're not good enough, and you're just waiting for it to fall down. Your house of cards will fall, you'll be exposed, and then life will absolutely suck. Anybody? 
It's a scary place to be and it's hard to live life on the edge of that, isn't it? But the great news is that we don't have to. But without God's insight, we'll never see even ourselves as he does. So it's hard, you know, it's a lot easier to look at the world and judge everything that's not perfect, right? Judge everything that's not right. I talked about the, about the gold trim and how it's not perfect and it drives me batty that it's not perfect. I look at tiles in bathrooms and, and because they're not perfect, they're not perfectly level and square and symmetrical with one another, it drives me nuts. I look at roof lines and I see where the shingles are wavy and it drives me nuts. I look at siding that's popping off and it drives me nuts. Um, and then I, I look at everything and everyone from time to time and they can drive me nuts. Right? I've talked about my conversations with God about you know, how much of me needs to die so that I could actually be any good because I look at myself and I look at the way that I do things, I look at the way that I respond and I drive me nuts. Yeah, anybody sitting in that place? Like just that, that constant scrutiny in virtually every aspect of life. And it's hard, so how am I gonna see, how am I gonna see anything else if I don't start seeing things through God's eyes? How am I going to see the truth? How am I going to see Thank you. anything worth a ding-dang if I don't see it through the eyes of God? Right, does that make sense? Have I lost anybody yet? So let me ask you that. What do you see there? What stands out the most out of all these things? What are you seeing? Doubt. 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 Abandonment. Okay. Disappointment. But doubt stands out the most. Okay, that stands out the most to you because it's the biggest. <coughs> Which one of those words grabs you? Imprisoned. Imprisoned. Empty. Empty. Stuck. Stuck. Those are, those are really good because when we, when we grab a hold of these words, a lot of times the reasons that we're seeing those words are those are the ones that resonate in our heart like we can feel like that inside of ourselves. And it's hard when you're looking at the world through that, how do you see the world in truth? How do you see what God has created for you in that? It's hard if not impossible, but beloved, we're all there. We all struggle with this place. We all struggle with one of these words or not. Manipulated, resentful, furious, sinner, insufficient, stuck, anxious, burnt out, lost, paranoid, impulsive, loveless, hopeless, empty, panic, suffering, deceived, bankrupt, disrespected, ignorant, dehumanized, invisible. Non-conforming. What? Non-conforming. Non-conforming, yep. Yeah. Insecure, isolated, impulsive. How are you going to see the world when that's your reality? When those are the things that you're looking at life through, how will you ever see anything normal? You have a snowball's chance in hell 
of seeing life for what God made it to be when all you can see is the hell that life has been. Some of these are real. Some of these are perceived. Some of these come out of pain from our past. And so we pick up a false belief system when we're young. When we're very young kids, we pick that up. When I first saw that, I see suicide. That's been a constant thought in my life for a lot of years. For a lot of years, it'd just be easier to just be done. If you struggle with that thought in your life, how are you going to see anything? Because suicide might be one word, but it's packed with a bunch of other things coming up behind it and pushing that to the surface. Amen? And so all those things create a belief system. They create a way that we walk through the world and a way that we survive. Like just surviving for some of us struggling with these words is hard enough. Don't throw anything else at me. I'm just trying to get to the end. And it's hard. It's really hard, but I want, you to, I want you to recognize that each and every one of us struggle with some of these words, one or some or a multitude of these words, because we need to recognize that we're not alone. Like, it's so easy, and the enemy has us pointing out everybody else's faults and failings, because that takes the pressure off of me, so it's easier if I tell you what's wrong with you than to actually walk with you and understand that I love you and I care about you. It's easier for you to push me away than it is to actually be exposed for your stuff because if I know what's going on in your heart, there's no way that I'm ever gonna feel, there's no way that you're ever gonna love me. There's no way that you're ever gonna care. There's no way. There's just simply no way. If you knew me, there's no way at all that you would want anything to do with me. And as a pastor of almost 16 years now, I can tell you that these thoughts, you're not the only one experiencing these thoughts. You're not. This is a pandemic throughout the world. Throughout the world. And God's economy wants us to do something different so that we could actually begin to live a life. How beautiful would it be to know that it doesn't matter how many cards you knock off the house of cards, you're not going to tip over. You don't have to fall. The world is not dependent on you. We are thankful that you are here. We love you. We praise God's name for creating you. But when you don't live from fear, but actually learn to live in faith, Things begin to change and you begin to be strengthened. And, and you could say, well, pastor, how do you know that? You don't know what I'm dealing with. But the truth be told that I don't have to know what you're going through exactly. If you choose to share that with me, I would be honored and blessed to walk with you in life. Right? But I know that these are not the things that truly define you because I know the word of God. You see, and the word of God has the power to transform and renew us. Amen? Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. Remember that you were at, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants 
of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So many of us keep ourselves away from God because we don't feel worthy of God. Like if God is actually who people say that God is, there's no way. You see, we take, we take what we see on this earth and we personify it in the image of God and we change his character to match our deception. Does that make sense? And so we struggle. How could you possibly love a pathetic piece like me? You don't get it. And many of us will go to our grave thinking that God could never love us. But I'm here to tell you today, what does it say? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you who once suffered with all those things that keeps you from actually living life, you who were suffering through all that emotional pain and burden that keeps you far away from God, is God is drawing you near to him. He's drawing near to you so that you can deal with those things. When you find out the truth about who you are and his incredible love, it would then becomes your choice to either walk in the truth and the glory of God or stay in your misery and discomfort and go to hell with that. That's the sad part is some of us get so stuck and we've been dwelling in our loss and our hurt for so long, we're not willing to give it up because it becomes our identity. I become broken. I become suicidal. I become this and I become that. Insufficient, ignorant, stupid, short, fat, tall, skinny, not pretty, not good enough, not this, not that, not... But all those things, I'm a disgrace to humankind. And though those words might not ever fall from your lips, they dance in your heart and they stop you from believing anything else. Those are lies from the pits of hell, beloved. I'm here to tell you that God loves you so ridiculously. He gave his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you. Right? And we have to come to that place where we can receive him, not because of what we've done, but because of his love. It's by faith through grace that we are saved in Christ Jesus. And now we're brought near to God and we have to be willing to get rid of all those old titles and all those old beliefs and believe that we are the beloved blood-bought sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. We've got to get to that place. We are blessed to be able to get to that place. Amen? So the only thing stopping us from that is understanding who God is and who we are in him. So we have to develop a different belief system so that we can be set free and walk in the righteousness of Christ that was given upon that cross when we received Jesus as our Savior. Amen? Amen. Like we get to do this, y'all. We get to do this because we have such an incredible God. How beautiful is that? Would you rather dance in misery or would you rather dance in his glory? And you get to make that decision. And don't give me the Sunday school answer because I don't care about it. I care about your heart. I genuinely love you. Genuinely and completely love you. Because God saved a wretch. Right? We once were lost, but now we see. So what is it that you are seeing? 
Can you see his glory or do you simply see your pain? Because even the pain that you've dealt with your whole life looks different through the lens of God. You are drawn close by the blood of Jesus Christ. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, and then it goes into 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You see, church, if we continue on with the belief systems that we've had, what chance do we have of ever doing anything different than what the church has done for 2,000 years? Right? If you don't recognize that you've been set free from the bondage, that those are actually lies, then what's the likelihood that you're going to actually rise up and do something? You're not going to do it. And that's just the sad, sad facts of it. Ephesians 3, 14 and 16. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Those places where the devil has been dancing and taking up residency and not paying rent, he has no place in those who receive Christ as Savior. You are given strength with power through his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. And you have the ability, if you will receive Christ, to rise up and do greater things. But some of us want to dance over here with all those false beliefs. And then we want to come to church on Sunday and say, I believe Jesus. How many of you have ever lit a match in a dark room? A small little match, and what did it do? It put light in the entire room, amen? Amen. So when you start to believe and you start to let Christ dwell in your heart the way that he wants to, the way that he desires to, the way that was meant to be upon that cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, to bring a light into a dark place, when you begin to believe that, then light, if you will allow the light to shine, it will shine in your dark places. And the nice thing about it is all those dark places that you've been hiding from and, and keeping over here like nobody's ever going to see them, the ones that gave us those definitions before, those places are illuminated, but the beautiful thing is, that's a good thing because now I can see what's been driving me. So my subconscious mind that's been hiding these things that drive me to the emotional outpouring of suicide, depression, pain, anger, all those things, all that stuff is exposed and now I can rebuke it by the power of Jesus Christ, cast it out, tell it to go straight back to hell where it came from because it has no place in the heart or life of the believer. But you have to be willing to believe what Jesus is saying. And it's not by your power, it's not by your strength. It's by the power and strength of Jesus Christ through his spirit in you. What does the word of God tell you? 
Do you believe the word of God? And we have to get to the point where the word of God is something that's strong enough, strong enough to encourage us, strengthen us to move and do something different. Because it doesn't do any good to keep crying, I just need to do something, God, oh my gosh, I love you, I want you. And then do nothing. My fear is that you may be stuck in some double-minded stuff to where you can't quite figure out how to let God in. But let me tell you, if there's a glimmer of light in your heart for Jesus Christ, prayer can heal that wound. Prayer can, but you have to stop telling God no. How many of you are telling God no, even though you're crying out please? Because we do that. We absolutely do that because our identity gets so wrapped up in that list of negative stuff that now who am I? If I get rid of all that stuff, now who am I? You've heard me talk about this cloud of darkness that I used to dwell in. And many of us do, man. When I'm spinning out under here, this is what I'm used to. This is my identity. Dark clouds, rain, storm. And I develop an entire life under the darkness. But I look outside the darkness and I see people dancing in the light and I'm like, man, I want that so bad. And then I work really hard and I get out into the light and when I come out into the light, I'm like, I don't know what to do here. So I self-sabotage and I get myself back under here. What's the common denominator with all these things? Me, my belief system. This is not God that keeps you under here. It's not God who drives you back under there. It's me. It's my beliefs. It's the things that I'm holding on to because they make up my identity. Well, it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me when we receive Christ as Savior. So the gospel message is complete with his death, burial, and resurrection. His life that was given for me my receiving his love, my receiving Christ as my Lord, it can be over. I'm not saying that you're not going to struggle. I'm not saying that you're not going to fight, but you're going to have the power. You're going to have the vantage point to conquer the enemy. Amen? Do you know what I mean by vantage point? They've been doing it forever. When you look at the old castles, they would put the holes through, through the parapets and the walls and stuff so that they could shoot out. And there was a very small chance for the enemy to shoot in. Right? God gives us his full armor so that we can do battle. Charge that which tries to come against you. Cast it out in the name of Jesus. Amen? So what's that? What do you think it is? Dark cloud. Dark cloud? The rock. <coughs> what if I told you that dot was in the middle of all those words and you never even saw it. You don't ever see you in the middle of anything because you're so fixated on all the other stuff. You refuse to look at what's dead center in the middle of the page. You sitting in the middle of the page and all you saw was all that stuff. 
and you didn't see it. Everybody always sees it afterwards. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How many of you are walking as though you are heirs of the kingdom of heaven? How many of you are walking as though you are royalty versus how many of you are walking in guilt, shame, embarrassment, blah, 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 blah. How many? The good or the, the bad? And that's the truth. That's what most of us walk in. Whether we have all the Sundays. See, and this is the part like, I love that God saved me from where I was because I, can, I wasn't brought up in the church. I didn't have all that stuff. I don't know. I didn't know the Sunday school answer until I taught Sunday school. Right? So I didn't grow up with all the answers. So I don't have to fight that urge to say Jesus every time. I don't have to fight the urge to be right every time. Like I can actually be honest with myself so that I can actually get up and over it. You see, the right answer is absolutely no good until it moves your heart, which moves your feet to do something different. Right? Like what good is the right answer if it doesn't move you to do something different? Does it mean that you're going to get it perfect every single time? No! But at least you're trying. You're entering into that journey. It's like, all right, I got a little bit farther this time. I have made it a little bit. All right, I wasn't quite the jerk that I was the last time this happened. Whatever that is. Right? Like, I'm learning myself. And you know I throw myself <laughs> under the bus. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Why does the church get the reputation of being hypocrites? Because we don't love. Because we are. Oftentimes a general theme that goes out from the church to the world is we're hypocrites. But how could we be anything else if we don't understand and believe and walk out in what God has done for us? What difference does it make? You can have all the right answers and still do the wrong things. Yeah? Just because you walk into church doesn't make you perfect. And that's the thing that people who don't follow Christ don't quite get. They think because you walk into church, now all of a sudden you're supposed to be great and almighty and give up every dime you ever got. Well, how could you live in that house? Aren't you a churchgoer? Yeah, but I ain't perfect. There was one perfect one, one, and they hung him on a cross for us. We hung him on the cross. Because if we know the answer and yet to do it, what is the difference of knowing who Jesus was and still crying out to free Barabbas and saying, crucify him? Because if he is the way, the truth, and the life, and we choose to live in the darkness, what's the difference between us and the crowd? What's the difference, beloved? No difference at all. 
No difference at all. You see, the fact that Christ rose from the grave should be the beginning of our lives in this world around us. It should be the beginning of the transformation in us. And we should be able to, as the word told us, rise up out of our funk and our mire together to love the neighbors by the power of the almighty God. Amen? Amen. Like, otherwise, what are we doing? I don't want to sit here and run my mouth just to sit here and run my mouth. Three to six, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One. One Father. One Spirit. In all and through all. Guys, we have the power and the authority to transform this world if we will choose to follow Christ the way that he calls us to. And you know what? It's going to start in your homes. Dads, you're going to step up and you're going to love your kids ridiculously. You're going to say, I'm sorry for the things that you've done wrong in the past. Moms, same deal. It may seem overwhelming to think about the world, but what does it feel like when we talk about our world? When we go to work, we love people. When we go to the grocery store, we love people. Right? When we answer the call of God on our lives in this community, what does that look like? When we answer the call of God for this town, what does that look like? That looks like a dagburn mess. Because we're going to have some people walking through these doors, and I praise the day when they walk through these doors for the first time, strung out, trying with every fiber of their own strength to know something different. And God meets them at the door, that, and he looks just like you because you've been healed by the blood of Jesus Christ to receive people who once were where you were. That's power of the gospel. That's power of the message of Jesus Christ. That is God's glory right here on earth as it is in heaven. You guys loving those guys who don't yet know Jesus. And you share your testimony about how you once were so desperate. You once were so hurt and so broken. But Jesus met you in these doors. He met you in his heart and he transformed your entire life. Amen. Amen. So Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you because you are just absolutely incredible, Lord. We thank you because your love, your love is perfect. Father, I pray for a special blessing and anointing over this congregation, those watching on Facebook or YouTube or wherever they're watching or hearing. I pray that your word would transcend the physical world, that it would go beyond anything that we can think of and do things greater than we could ever imagine, Lord God. Would you use us in a mighty way, Papa? Would you bless this congregation from young to old, 
Bless us to do your work and your will. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.